Watched uh, last night. We were watch. Um, there's a three part docu series called Arnold that's out, and it's on Schwarzenegger. Oh, interesting. So all part one is all about his bodybuilding career in the '60s and '70s, and then part two is all about him as an actor, and part three is about him as a politician. Huh. It's really interesting, and it, it's interesting too to listen to how many people kept saying. Everybody assumed because he was really big and strong that he was stupid. That meant it's not a stupid man. That is a man who had a vision and a goal and took all the right moves to make it. I didn't realize he was a millionaire before he ever became an actor. What? Yeah, because he used all the money and everything that from winning like Mr. Olympia competitions and all that kind of stuff. And um, he was working with, um, what's the guy's name, Joe Wielder from like all the muscle magazines and everything, like Muscle is the magazine, right? Mm-hmm. He's the publisher of that. And a wielder, like, sports equipment and everything. He was a promotional guy for him. And uh, and he's like, wielder said, he's like, the only thing that they can't make more money, more of is real estate. He said, so before he ever became a, um, before he ever became and ever landed his first role uh, as an actor at all, he's like, I had six apartment buildings and four different houses and all this commercial property and stuff that he was running, which is why he never took a lot of bit parts. He was holding out trying to find like leading man roles because that's what he wanted to be. And um, uh, so he was, yeah, he was a millionaire already from all that other stuff before he ever made a single movie. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like the, the stuff he, I, I didn't know that. No, I didn't either. And I know that there's also a documentary out about American gladiators right now. And I'm going to try and track that one down. Oh, really? I Netflix. didn't know that one. Yeah. Cause I'm, I loved that show when I was a kid, man. Everyone did. I loved that show. It was like adult Nerf guns and oh, yeah. jousting. And there wasn't anything better to watch on like a Saturday night than. Oh, and, and then the, the one where you have to run, where the, the one guy's standing up there shooting balls at you yep. and you have to go from thing to thing and try to hit him to take him down you know like you're, you're shooting the, the rocket launcher and then you got uh, the last one is like throw the nerf grenade and then there was just, <laughs> just a, throw balls at him just there, try yeah there was a clip that came up just the other day that it was a guy that they did a photo finish on that the guy got to the final thing and took, had the time for one shot and threw it and he he hit the target to win the match which won him the whole game with like one hundredth of a second left because they had like a photo finish camera with the countdown timer and it hits and the buzzer goes off with like one hundredth of a second wow. left. Yeah, it was it was like super. I was like, that's awesome. Those were the good old days. That was, awesome. <laughs> that was, that was childhood, man. American Ninja Warrior just it's good, but it doesn't hit that same vibe. I do like American Ninja Warrior when some of these people come through that everybody's like, there's no way. Yeah. And then uh, then they just dominate and just you know, plow through the whole thing. It really is a testament to people's like willpower because a lot of that just seems to be, there is athletic ability that is needed. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. like you have to push through a lot. Yeah. Whenever someone just takes it in like a run, that's when I'm always impressed when they don't try and like plot it out. They just go. Yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah. Well, and it, so much of it, um, there's actually, if you look at the people who actually do really good on it, 
there's like a statistical median that you have to be for that show too because um, it's that show is all about upper body strength and it's all arm strength and the taller a person is their upper body can't support the weight of their body oh yeah so like when I went through basic training the three big things in, in for the army at the time where it was all about push-ups sit-ups and running right and that was like your physical gold majors and we did a ton of all this other stuff as well but tall guys struggle with push-ups because they have super long arms so they have to travel a longer distance carrying more weight because they by default weigh more and short guys had a serious issue struggling with sit-ups because they never actually needed to use their abs like that they right. hadn't ever their and, core is located differently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you got your, your average height guys that had zero problem with either of them and were able to just dominate in every category. Except for the tall guys usually were fairly good at the run. That's, so yeah. just that was that was just stretching out the long legs. If you've been listening so far, you might think this is Red Raccoon Radio talking about sports, but it's not. It's actually Red Raccoon Radio talking about board games. Hello and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, your source for tabletop gaming news and beyond uh, in Bloomington, Illinois and beyond. We're your hosts, John and Jamie, and we are excited to be here today because this is almost a turning point. This is a a game changer day for us because I'm about to ask Jamie a question that I hope after weeks upon weeks of asking is going to feel so good (laughs) to answer. (laughs) Jamie, how was the store last week? Absolutely, positively, ridiculously crazy um since i always say crazy right but this week was like crazy on a whole new level that has never like we took crazy and we said ha and left it in the back seat as we drove right on past that line and just kept on trucking um it was good it was it was stressful it was hard it was difficult it was tiring emotionally exhausting physically exhausting and emotionally uh, satisfying and physically still exhausting. Catharsis was there, however. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and the reason why is for anybody who has not been in the store is on Monday, last Monday, we shut the store down and we said time to move. And we started moving everything and then we re- reopened the store on Friday at 5 p.m. So we had four and a half days to move everything and let's be fair we didn't move everything yet i have heard that there are still a few things that need to get pushed over but like this morning where's the price gun uh go next door (laughs) see if it's over there right so however you did have a fireman's crew to help you on one of your days yeah 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 so uh so monday we spent the whole day moving fixtures right we we moved all the card catalogs uh so let's take 96 drawers out try to keep them in order, move the card catalog, put the drawers back in order, hopefully. And we did that for all six of those. So that's uh, uh, 540 drawers, 540 rounded up probably, almost six, 600 drawers. So each, each card catalog's got 96 drawers. Each drawer holds 800 cards. I figured out the math on that once, and I can't remember what it was. I don't think that number is going to make you happy. So let's keep on going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Uh, so that was Monday. We, we finished up the night. A couple people, um, came on Monday to help move stuff and realized they were on the wrong day. So, 
a huge thank you to those gentlemen because they stayed and they helped me lay out and we moved all the Ikea cubes that people helped us build a week ago um, and they helped us me lay them out and put them in place. So on Tuesday morning when, when, when staff all got there, most of the fixtures were in place. The card catalogs, the glass cases, our new um, counter for the, the checkout, the cash registers, um, most of it was in place on Tuesday morning. Tuesday, we spent a bunch of time prepping and, and organizing things in the storeroom to get ready. And we spent a lot of time prepping, um, uh, taking shelves off the walls. Our, our new shelves, only half of them showed up on Monday like they were supposed to. The other half showed up like just in the nick of time on Tuesday for us to slap them up on the walls real quick to have some place to put stuff. So then Tuesday night, 52 brave souls and community members and awesome, incredibly people, incredible people showed up and we moved all the stuff, all the elements. There's a video on Facebook that you can actually see right now of just fireman's carry, not fireman's carry, but fireman like brigade, bucket, brigade. Yeah, bucket, bucket brigade, brigade of just from down the street, everybody moving game by game by game. Yeah. Well, that we started upstairs and we started in the back room. And then as we went forward and moved uh, everything out of the upstairs, the line shrunk and the distance between people got pushed. And then we moved back down to the basement. We had to go from the basement of one building to the basement of the other building. And that stretched the line pretty, pretty significantly. Yeah. Uh, it would have been nice if we could have gotten like 10 or 12 more people, but we're very happy for all the people that were there. Uh, and it was like three and a half hours. Kelly had said, hey, you're signing up to come from 530 to 830. We bought everybody pizza. So we stopped for out of a pizza and soda break in the middle. And then we went back at it. And at nine, I realized, and you know, it was, it was getting on to nine. I'm like, no, we're calling it. And so we, we called it. Um, and then, uh, I gave tours to everybody was there. We walked around the building and I told them what we've done and showed them everything. And people were super excited. Um, Wednesday then became the task of organizing everything and trying to figure out like, okay, we got it in this building. Now, where's it going to go? And so that was a, that was all Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday, that was, Jesse and Alexis and Ariel and Kat and, and, um, uh, uh, Ryan and, you know, they were working in that all day. And then, um, Katie and Anna and Spencer were helping clean things and trying to get things organized and picked up behind us as, as well. Um, Ken and Chance just absolutely rocked it out with helping me, you know, um, we had to move over the security cameras and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, we moved over the router before I unhooked the router. Um, I, I logged into it and it's like, you have a mandatory operating system upgrade that you must do or you're going to lose access to the router. I'm like, crap. So I updated the router and it came, it rebooted itself and it came back up and I tested it and everything's fine. And everything's great. I'm like, okay, good deal. And then I unhooked the router and everything and I moved it to the new building and everything came toppling down. It never came by. It never, it never, it never connected again. It, it never, I don't know what happened, but I logged into it to change to the new static IP address that Metronet gave me, and it never came back on. And I fought with it for three hours, and then Kelly finally said, you have other stuff to do, call somebody. So I called my former business partners at Mavidia, and I'm like, guys, I'm really sorry. I know you probably have a full schedule, but I'm screwed. I, I can't I can't do it anymore. 
So they sent a guy out who logged into it and went, but all your settings are right. Everything in here is correct. And he tried rebooting it and taking some settings and changing stuff around. And then the second guy came over and knew that he went, no, everything's correct. I don't know what's going on here. Um, and they fought with it. And then they're like, hey, there's a backup. Can we try to restore from backup? I'm like, at this point, whatever. Yeah. Right, let's do it. Do whatever you need. The backup had restored all the settings, but it did not roll back the OS upgrade on the on the router. So that didn't do anything. They're like, hey, can we try to factory reset? I'm like, at this point, whatever. Whatever we got to do. This is a brick at this point. Let's get it yeah, fixed. Yeah, because now it's like 5 in the afternoon on Thursday at this point, right? We still have no progress. And uh, so we they tried that and still nothing. Luckily, one of those guys had a firewall in the backseat of his car because, you know, um, he's a nerd like I was a nerd. And you, you have things in your car when you go on site just in case. He had a firewall, and that firewall is currently what the store is running on because they never got our old um, router slash firewall functional. So, so yeah, so I'm going to have to buy a new router that was not really in the budget. And we're, and we're not talking about, you know, we, we use Ubiquiti, and it's a Dream Machine Pro. So it's not chicken scratch. It's 500 bucks. But what I'm hearing is through the community that you have developed through Red Raccoon and just your life, somehow you managed to get your whole entire store up and moved to a new location so that you could open the doors on Friday. I have to ask, how did that feel? Oh man. Um, I was so physically done. It was aw- It was awesome. It felt great. It felt amazing. I was, cause I, you know, we didn't have like trim up on the floor around the baseboard trim that wasn't finished until three o'clock on Friday. Um, I was still putting in the last couple security cameras at four o'clock on Friday. Um, we still had tools and boxes everywhere at four thirty on Friday, and so and then I look outside and we're getting closer. It's like ten till, and there's like I could see like six or seven people outside. I'm like, okay, cool. So there's somebody's gonna come in, and then like at five minutes till, I'm like, there's like twenty people outside. And then um, I at at five, I went and I threw open the doors. And there was 75 people that came pouring into the stores in the first two minutes of the store being open. It was just like everybody was just a rush to get there, and it never slowed down for the whole night. It was amazing to see all the people. And tons of them were just coming in just to look. They just yeah. wanted to see. They wanted to be in there. And and we're getting incredibly positive feedback so far. So it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty redeeming after the the stress of the last six months. I have to say, I, so I have not gotten a chance to go in. I wanted to come and help and do all those things, but I had a fall in the shower that like kind of made me a little uh, hesitant to do too much physical labor. I know really convenient. Um, but I did get able to uh, go out there today. I get you one of those things, uh, the clapper. Exactly. Or uh, like I fall in, yeah, I can't get up. Lifeline. Yeah, lifeline. I fall and I can't get up. I had my Apple HomePod, so if I needed to call somebody, that's a whole other story <laughs> we can get into another time. But I got to, I got to be there a little bit during the construction during the week. I, I just popped in because uh, afterwards I needed a just a walk, and I could see the forming of it. But it just it didn't have the soul yet. It didn't have the games. It, it was just people working and a rough outline of where things were going to be. It's like I had this idea in my head for all these months, right? And and I've had this idea of what it could look like and what I hoped it was looking like. And then that last week, 
I mean, the, the Catalyst Construction guys and, and uh, Wayne from Wilcox Electric. And, man, they were just all on point and just trying to, you know, like, okay, we have to get this stuff done. And everybody was in there and getting it done. It was pretty, it was pretty awesome. It was pretty gratifying to, to see it come together, too. And Zeta Coffee, um, you know, for those who, who don't know, Zeta Coffee opened up inside the store with us. Fantastic. Their, their station came out looking fabulous. It does. It truly does. Except they're still missing equipment. They're, the, with all the supply chain issues we've talked about all this time, we, we ran into it. And even though we had ordered, Joel had ordered everything early, his sinks never showed up. So he, he got a, he got a temporary license from the health department where he could only serve coffee and boba tea this weekend. Um, cause he's going to, did you know, he's, he's got eight flavors of ice cream and oh, milk, no. milkshakes are going to be included in that. That's going to be, that's going to be detrimental in my waistline. right? That there. is very dangerous to have inside the store. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he couldn't do any of that kind of stuff because the sinks never showed up, you know? So, so we have some, we have some whack-a-mole stuff to do of, of get those little things, but we're open and, if Man. you when you first walk in, it is just magnificent is the only word that I can use to describe Thank it you. because it is expansive, but yet it feels full. It feels like finally there's room for everything that you've had somehow jammed into the old location. I mean, the it was Red Raccoon was always packed to the gills. Being a person that you've called upon to help work the floor a few times, you know, just trying to get around other employees, customers, trying to guide people where they needed to go. I mean, it wasn't a large space, and yet there was so much to, to show people and introduce people to. We violated the butt brush principle. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. If, did you Have you heard of the butt brush principle? I know about moon landings, but that's as, as close as I can get to. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's from uh, a book by Paco Underhill, and it's called Why We Buy. And anybody that's going to open a retail store should read this book. It's been multiple um, revisions now. But it's there are a significant percentage of people that if they are anywhere where it's tight enough that somebody going past them brushes their butt, like they can't slide, slide past each other, they won't go back. Yep. They won't shop there. They won't buy. They won't go back. And so we now have all the rows are measured out. They're 48 inches wide. You know, we, we were trying to line everything up and keep it symmetrical. They're 48 inches wide between the end of the rows and the wall for the, the wall things is uh, 52 inches. And then from the end of the demo tables to the counters is um, 72 inches. And so it and that's, that's why it feels so wide open because yeah. you can move around, with like you said, without having to touch people, without having to slide people. And behind the counter which was we used to have three feet back there for, and, and, and um, I am not a small person if you're trying to slide past me behind the counter, um, but now we've got five feet behind the counter to actually get back there, pull cards. Um, I was in there earlier this morning, and Katie was pulling magic cards, and I was helping somebody as well, and we were both able to move past each other to get to the various drawers to find cards. It just it feels, feels better. Yeah. And that's just the upstairs space. The downstairs space I got to check out today, and it was just – there's still some you know final improvements going on there. I know that you have a historical section that you're actually planning on creating, correct, in mm -hmm. the old dumbwaiters? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I wanted to – there's so much cool history on this building, and, and I'm kind of an architecture nerd. 
um, to a limited degree, right? I'm, I, I like it. I like to study things. I like to look at things and understand why things were there. And we talked about before that the building used to be a Woolworths and it had mm-hmm. a lunch counter. And the lunch counter, um, the kitchen for it was down in the basement and they would put the food in a dumbwaiter and send it up. So when we um, were looking at the building, they're like, what do we want to do with the dumbwaiter? We, we, we tried to get some prices to fix it, and the, the estimate we got was $100,000, which meant the dumbwaiter did not get fixed. Nope. There were many other things that had to do. The dumbwaiter was not high on the list. But we saved the dumbwaiter. We're cleaning up the area around it, and I want to get from the museum. They've got um, the, the Panagraph Negatives collection, and in that, there's multiple pictures of people sitting at that lunch counter having, and, and I want to get some of those pictures and frame them up and put them in the dumbwaiter. We're, go, we're, we're going to put uh, LED lights around the dumbwaiter so you can see the gears and the mechanicals of everything the way they used to do it. Um, and then we were to put some pictures in there with some of the things we found. We found an old fork, for instance, that um, has is still engraved with Woolworths on the name and um, some L, some inspection things from 1973. Um, and we're going to save all that stuff and put it behind a piece of glass with lights on it that can turn on and off so we can say this is the history of the building. Another place we're saving down in the basement too is there's a section down where the elevators come down and the bathrooms are that you can see um, brick that is very obviously burned and scorched from the fire in 1939. Um, And then another section right next to it where there was a wall and a room and that room was never touched. So... You can see the difference between the burnt brick and the non-burnt brick. So we're going to get some pictures to put up there, again, from the museum. Of They've got some really awesome shots. That fire happened in February. So you can still see like flames coming out of the window, but the rest of the building is covered in ice as the water was misting everywhere else and forming ice and icicles on the rest of the building while they're still trying to put out the flames. So that's pretty, that's kind of fun. So that we're, going to get some, we're going to get some pictures of that, too, from the some of the old fires that have happened and one last piece of the history of the building that I like to see today was in the private rooms downstairs, you were using the original handles of the original doors of the building in order to have uh, some barn doors to separate the two private rooms, which yeah. I thought was a really nice touch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those that. came, that was that was Mike's idea. He's like, we could just use these door handles so you have an homage to the original. I'm like, that's a great idea. We, uh, we soaked them overnight in the sink full of Coca-Cola. And uh, that actually took off several years worth of grime because they'd been on those doors out front for 30, 40, 50 years. Yep. And, um, and then we had to hit them, and Ryan and, and uh, her brother Colin volunteered a bunch of time. And uh, they came and they hit it with the brasso pretty hard. Uh, and, but they look great. They look beautiful. They look great. Well, they're solid brass. Yeah. You know, that's not something you really see that much again anymore. There's so many things about this building that they just don't build buildings like this anymore. They don't put two by 13s on 12 inch centers. They don't put, um, you know, uh, these massive I-beam girders to hold up a, a first floor level. They don't put eight inch solid, solid cast, uh, Castile um, beams that are holding everything up. They just don't, they don't do that anymore. And so we're, where we can, we're trying to save and celebrate some of the history of the building of the way that it used to be built. Well, it definitely shows, and it's really great to see. And like I said, the store is open now. It is magnificent, and if you have not gotten a chance to go in yet, please do. Um, yeah, we, uh, we're we open regular hours unless we have special events going, so all, all the events are going. We did um, 
you know, Friday Night Magic and Warhammer guys were all there on Friday. They were like, oh, wow. Yo, yesterday was a My Hero Academia tournament um, and uh, uh, the first learn to play D&D in the new space. Um, and then today was a, a Pokemon uh, tournament that was going on and Age of Sigmar. Everybody's having a good time. Um, probably one of the bigger things we have to do in the play space is we're putting up more slat wall down there because um, we need to get the, ter the terrain organized. Yes. We forgot to carve out a place to put the terrain for all the wargaming stuff when we designed the building. So we'll put some slat wall down there and some shelves and we'll get all the terrain up on there and try to keep it nice and organized for people in the future. It's going to be worth checking in every once in a while because I'm sure that there's going to be other tweaks and improvements we're going to be seeing over time. Well, there's a ton of decorations we haven't even started to move. Kelly right. took some very easy-to-grab small things off the off the shelves and, and, and moved them over. But, like, she's in charge of the bathrooms. And so she hasn't – she did the bathroom and decorated the bathroom at the old location, and everybody always loved how nerdy oh, yeah. it was. So she's trying to figure out what she's going to do with four bathrooms this time, two upstairs and two downstairs. And, um, you know, uh, right now she can go as nerdy as she wants, but those two bathrooms upstairs, well, they might end up being shared bathrooms with somebody else who rents the other part of the building. So she has to go tasteful nerdy. Right. I, I will say that in the downstairs bathroom, there is a sign that has like a dragon unicorn or something. It's like, I don't care what you are, just wash your hands. Like, yeah. And that's next to both of the gender neutral bathrooms. So it's a fantastic choice. She's already making some headway on that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get there. We got a lot of little whack-a-mole. It's going to be, it's going to be a month. We're not even going to try to do a grand opening thing for until probably we'll do a ribbon cutting and a grand opening party as a, probably a customer appreciation party at the end of August or early September timeframe makes sense you know like the signage for the outside of the building they're not even going to attempt to come install it until august supply chain issues that's how it is all, it's just it is what it, i can't even get quotes i'm just trying to get things painted I can't even get quotes <laughs> i have money and i want to spend money to fix things please let me pay please you. please let me pay you to please do things let me pay you. no no well, speaking of new things in the Red Raccoon ecosystem, yeah. uh, not only has the building obviously been the biggest change, but also uh, apparently we have a Discord, which Jamie and I have talked about a few times. I had poked in there once or twice, but we had gotten a message the other day saying, hey, somebody's talking about the podcast on the Discord. You should check it out. It's like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't think anybody would have uh, really looked at it there. So I went over uh, and ended up having great conversations with a few people that were talking there. Uh, we ended up actually creating a completely separate channel just for the podcast. Just to keep it organized. Exactly. And uh, it's been really interesting so far. So uh, first of all, a lot of people were commenting on uh, our talk about Werewolf, the social deduction game and Miller's Hollow and a lot of people were saying how much they enjoyed like hearing about that, but had their own feelings about it. And and Tony Brooke actually went out to say that uh, he thinks it's really getting the movie treatment because this is now one of Asmodee's big pushes. He thinks that it's linked to Asmodee wanting to now take board games to that next level of, of being a part of the more of a media conglomerate. Yeah. As it well, were. I mean, they're right. Asmodee is watching Hasbro and the D&D movie, the Transformers movies, the... You know, Hasbro created our childhood yes. as cartoons as a way to sell products, right? So um, all of the Transformers, G.I. Joe, She-Ra, He-Man, all that stuff is my childhood. Silverhawks and 
Um, God, what was the one with the, the the sheriff that rode the mechanical bull? Brave Star. Yes, exactly, yeah. right? Very- All those things were 100% designed to sell products. The critical role in all the D podcasts have proven that that theory still works now on youtube in yep. the social media era and now the the D movie well maybe not as successful as they wanted it to be out of the gate in terms of uh just straight up box dollars office. in the box yeah. office i think that it's going to make up the rest of the money on streaming and 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 become all one of those cult things right absolutely um and and so other other big publishers are now seeing this and going, hey, how, how can we get a little piece of this pie? How we get this action for some of our properties, right? And so that made a lot of sense what Tony was talking about. There's something we didn't mention on the podcast, but Tony then went on to ask if it would be possible for us to talk about a, a bit of a controversy that actually came up in the board gaming community, where the AEG an AEG executive misspoke. A little bit about a topic that was being brought up by Elizabeth Hargrave. Thank you for remembering her name. Yeah, Elizabeth. Uh, for those who don't know, Elizabeth is uh, a very good game designer. Her most famous game that she designed is Wingspan. Yes, which everybody loves. I mean, it's a beautiful game. The gameplay is fantastic, and she was bringing up the fact that there are very few women designed games in the Spiel de Har. Did I I pronounce that correctly? Spiel de Yarez. Yarez, excuse me. Uh, And she actually... At least, uh, I hope I'm not been saying it wrong, but I might have been saying it wrong. We're going to have to get a German on the podcast now. That's all there is to it. Nevertheless, the biggest awards of board games, which happen in Germany, uh, she was showing a record that I think in the history, there's only been four games that have had woman-led designers be brought up for possible winning the the award. And yeah, she did a breakdown of there's the Spiel des Jahres, which yes. is this the game of the year. There's the Kinderspiel, which is the children's game of the year, and then there's the oh god, is it? I, I might say this one wrong. I think it's the Kreitzer Spiel. Okay. Um, and that is like the gamers game. That's where you get your big crunchy games. They always end up in that one too. Yes. And she did a breakdown of all of them in terms of what had been nominated, what hadn't been nominated, how many games were there each year by a female designer. So the AEG executive, personally, I don't think we need to focus too much on what was said. He said something that was insensitive and then did retract it uh, with the understanding that he was putting some information out there that I think he felt personally but was not really reflected throughout the community. So instead of trying to just approach this as two white men trying to mansplain why women in gaming need more representation when we obviously don't have any on the episode right now, uh, I thought this might be a better opportunity for us to talk about games that should be actually probably recognized with female-led designers. Uh, Fantastically, uh, Elizabeth Hargrave actually went on Board Game Geek itself and created a list of board games that have uh, female-led designers. And before we begin, I just wanted to point out, this question arose as I was trying to think of this and looking at these games and saying, which deserves to be an award winner? And then I realized I wasn't exactly sure what the criteria was for the award. So I went hunting and on the Spiel de Yares, mm-hmm. there we go, uh, website, they do have an FAQ of what 
is needed to be considered for the game. And so this is a direct quote from their website. Uh, The question is, what are the game-related criteria the Spiel des needs to fulfill? Ultimately, it's the overall impression that counts, the enjoyment of playing the game that can't be broken down into individual measurable pieces. Nevertheless, there are criteria that help evaluate a game. Does it have a completely new concept, or does it bring existing elements together to create a new experience? Has concept been realized in such a way as to engage the player? Does it seem organic and whole or artificial and constructed? Are the rules sensibly constructed, clear, understandable, free of gaps, contradictions, and errors? Do the components match their function? Are they sturdy and durable? Is the design attractive? Do the box, board game, uh, game boards, rules, and components complement each other? And one thing that they didn't put in here, but is kind of up near at the top, is um, that all the games must be able to have a German edition, must be have a rule book written in German, and there must be a German language distributor, which right. is something I've never considered before. Well, and it, it totally makes sense because these games, the people that vote on them are literally the German board game critics, exactly. right? Exactly. They're, they're, we have, and every country has, their own influencers and reviewers and critics that have been out there for years, but they, you know, this is the biggest um, of the awards, the Spiel des Jahres, but there is the French awards, there is the American Tabletop Awards, and each group is literally just made up of a bunch of people who said, hey, we should get to be the critics this time out, and we should be the reviewers, and we should get to pick the ones. But there's no there's no standard yet of who should be allowed to be those critics and be on the voting committee. And that, you know, that could be actually be part of the problem, too. Could be. Also, just looking at this, I think that there's probably many games that you know, they are lucky to get out into the States and they might not have considered, you know, overseas distributors or possible like getting it to the German people in order to have it being put in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might discount a lot of games. And I know that there's a lot of games that have rule books that have errors in them. Uh, I, I have a quite a few of my own. And does that just automatically mean they get thrown out if they got an error or can they send an updated version of the rules? That's another question to kind of consider there that I didn't have enough time to really suss out those answers. But I think it might also then qualify a few games that we feel like should be on the list, but maybe did not uh, uh, of other reasons. So now that we have that established. Well, and I'll just add one more thing before we move on past that is um, every year the candidates for the game of the year are are announced ahead of time. And then the awards are actually given out. I think they're given out at Essen. And Essen is still, as far as I understand, it's still the largest board game festival in the world. You know, we have Gen Con in America, and it's coming up in August. And in, and I think they sold 72,000 tickets last year. 72,000 unique people went to it. The last number I heard for Essen was 125,000. Holy cow. So it's heading towards double, right? Yeah. That's like 125 or 130,000. That's like San Diego Comic-Con um, in the United States. Because Essen takes over the entire town, the convention center, it's in all the hotels. And and I've always heard if you go to Essen, one of the big things is you have to make sure you leave yourself travel time to get between venues for whatever you might have signed up to do. Um, which is not as, it's a little bit of an issue at Gen Con. It's, it's a big deal at, at, at San Diego Comic Con as well, is making sure you coordinate where you're going to be and do you have enough time to get to the next place before whatever you signed up to do. 
Um, but a lot of the games that are are put up, you know, this year's list is out there, and I think only one of the games, one or two of the games, there's you know three in each of the categories. I think only one or two of them are already are currently in English or available in America. And that happens every year that a lot of times games that we've never even heard of yet, right? Because they don't have an American edition, are the ones that are are put up and and sometimes are the winners. Like Llama um, was up a couple years ago, uh, and there was no American edition. You know, we've talked about before that my version of it I picked up while I was in Germany, so my version's in German, and I got a photocopy of American of English rules to go with the game too. So that's that's another part of all this that, that ties there's even in as well. more competition than just you know our United States mentality would tell us. Yeah, hundred so, percent. Yeah. So uh, just going to this list, uh, and I'll put a link of it uh, in the show notes as well as on the um, Discord channel of these amazing games that are created by women. And the number one list, and I don't know if it's number one just because Elizabeth was the one who created this list, or if there's some sort of ranking, but uh, Wingspan is one that I think would have definitely fit that bill. Uh, it was bringing an art style that was fantastic. It was bringing a gameplay style that was great. And I truly believe that it was one that... Well, if you're Elizabeth and you're putting it together to the list, I mean, you put your number one game. Yeah, I mean... I mean, you put it... I mean, so I don't blame that. But it's also... it was She's one of the few female winners. So it totally sure. makes sense. Yes. Right? So Wingspan did win Game of the Year. Um, and so that's, you know, if you're going to lead off that way, that seems like a good way to do it for me. But then we're going to get into some games that I think there's a lot of people that overlook. So apparently Maxine Jupiter Newman uh, worked on Arkham Horror, the card game, which I am an absolute fan of. If you love horror things and you love deck building games, uh, the, the Arkham Horror card game is a slippery slope. So it is not a... It is not a card game where you are chasing after rares or anything like that. It's not blind boxes. You get what everybody else gets when you open it up. But what you're getting is a story, a narrative that you follow with characters that these characters then have a deck and they have special abilities that you can then utilize. And I've seen other games from um, Fantasy Flight that do the same thing. There's a Lord of the Rings version of this. I think there was a Star Wars version of this at some point in time. There was. Uh, but Arkham Horror is one and that Marvel has Champions. Marvel Champions is is not quite as as intricate. Marvel Champions is very much just punch, 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 punch. This is more about exploration. It's about discovering things. It's about more of a mystery, and I think it definitely deserves to be up on that list as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I well, and then the one of them that's on there that's one of my favorite games of the last few years is Lost Ruins of Arnak. Right, Lost Ruins of Arnak is. Um, so I'm a huge fan of deck builders, you know, where everybody starts off the same and then you have the opportunity to customize your deck through gameplay and Lost Ruins of Arnak and Dune Imperium came out both right near the same time where you use the deck to drive a basically what is a resource management style gameplay and exploration and stuff. And uh, yeah, that was another, that was, and I'm going to butcher this name, Michaela Stikova? maybe mm-hmm. um, did lost runes of Arnak. And so that's like I said, that's one of my favorite games of the last few years. Now that's on the crunchier side. That was actually up for a uh, Kreitzer spiel. If I'm saying that right, I'm going to butcher this every time for the whole 
podcast probably all of our german listeners will just write in I'm yeah sure. <laughs> yeah but but that was that was nominated at least it didn't win but at least it made it on the list because that is definitely on the crunchier side of stuff one game that i think is uh speaking of crunchy um that just came out i believe it was just last year is descent legend of the dark who had kara central dunk working on it that is the closest that i've seen a board game get to a video game um, you, you are required to have a, an app assistant, so you have to use your computer, iPad, something along those lines to run it, but the game itself has 3D terrain that comes inside of it, it has an amazing story that has characters with emotions, you choose your responses to certain comments that will change the story, uh, you unlock characters as you continue to play through, you upgrade items and can actually collect things in order to make those upgrades possible it's a fantastic game and it really does i think elevate it to a point where i would have put it in some sort of award category as well you know it's interesting um there are a lot of co-op games that are on this list that are um led by um female designers as well and because going right along with that using the whole that engine where you use an app and you're playing co-op versus the app is uh lord of the rings journey to middle earth and um uh mansions of madness yes both of which use that that same kind of they're all from fantasy flight games and they all use that same engine of here is you go in and you start the the app up and you check the box and say i own these things this base game or these additional expansions and it creates and runs the campaign for you and then it plays the bad guys. You can have a person play the bad guy, but it turns out that a lot of people, nobody wants to actually be the bad guys, one versus four co-op players. That's true. And so when they came out with the app system, the sales on all those jumped significantly. I think the first one was, um, I think it might have been Imperial Assault, which was a Star Wars version. Oh, yes. And um, I think Imperial Assault has since been discontinued, but the other ones still keep going, and they're still getting new releases out for them. Uh, speaking of games that have some continual releases behind them, Dinosaur World was by made by uh, Marissa Mersua, I believe is her name. And that is a game where I felt a lot of, for lack of a better term, the vibe of the game was just perfect. It gave you that this is Jurassic Park, but it's not Jurassic Park. It gave you those kind of slightly neon colors to go with everything. But the gameplay system was well designed you were designing and you were creating in your own park and you had to really work on resource management and making sure people were not being eaten by dinosaurs and i feel like on theme the visuals everything was spot on and definitely award worthy can i can i add tangent off of that real quick absolutely so uh this month is the 30th anniversary of the release of jurassic park and I don't know about you, but Jurassic Park is something that will always live on in my mind because that was the first time I ever went to see a movie in a THX equipped movie theater. Ooh. And that scene with um, where the they're trying to figure out where the Tyrannosaurus Rex is and the water starts vibrating in the glass, um, that scene I still remember the physical impact like it was like you know having somebody hit you in the chest every time that base hit because that thx equipped theater was 
so amazing. That was, I mean, it was because that was brand new technology that was created by Lucasfilms, mm-hmm. right? Um, because George Lucas said, not all theaters are the same. And I want my movies to have this, you know, I want to make sure that we create this experience for people. Because you couldn't do that in home theaters back then. Nope. You know, now we can kind of get it a little bit. Technology's come down where you, you, you can have a massive screen or a massive TV and, and a really incredible home theater experience now. But you couldn't do that in 1993. And so that THX experience saying, I'm going to create this standard that holds movie theaters accountable um, to maintaining this customer experience, I think was kind of game changing for the movie industry as well. Jurassic Park was that first one for me. Uh, I will also say I have a Jurassic Park memory as well. I did not get to see Jurassic Park in a THX-enabled theater. I went to the drive-in in my hometown to watch it. Uh, in a minivan, mind you. So I'm <laughs> all the way crammed at the front of the car between the two the the two uh, cockpit seats. Okay. And I'm watching up and I'm looking at it. And my brother-in-law had gone to go get uh, refreshments. So he waited until a good scene came up where a velociraptor was just about to get somebody and he kicked the door to indicate that he needed help being let in. And my dad said he had never seen me move so fast as I went from the front of the car immediately to the back seat in one fluid motion. Uh, I was terrified. And even without the sound (laughs) being great quality, I was, I was just intense. And so while Dinosaur World does not give that same feeling of fear, it does give that awe and excitement that I think kind of came from the idea of, oh, it's a park full of these ancient creatures that we've never seen before. I, I do like the fact, too, that it, 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 again, just like Jurassic Park, it there's a science and research component of it, of finding the, the blood from the mosquitoes and the amber. Right. There's a marketing component of it there. And then there's a huge part of the game is managing the security of the park. So that's a huge part of it as well. And those are kind of all essential to that Jurassic Park experience at the same time. You know, I was also, I'm going to go back to the list. I was also looking down the list. Did you realize how many of our favorite horror games are on this list? I did not until I looked at this list, but Almost all the Arkham Horror games have uh, a female designer. Mansions of Madness, Eldritch Horror, and Arkham Horror 3rd Edition. And that's not even counting also one of the other good horror games that's not in the Arkham Horror universe, and that is Betrayal at the House on the Hill. Yeah, I, well, and that's, yeah, that's, that's way older. I don't think it, that's one of the most popular board games. I wonder how many copies that sold, right? We, we know that Catan is somewhere around 20 million copies, and... The new box for Ticket to Ride says it's at like 10 million copies, and um, Wingspan itself is is rounding the corner for like it's it's heading towards 10 pretty fast at this point too, which is given how few years it's actually been available at this right. point. That's pretty amazing. I wonder how many Betrayal at House on the Hill has sold. I don't I don't know if I've ever seen that number anywhere because that's a Hasbro game. You know they bought um, Avalon Hill. Yep, and I don't I don't even know. And We're now with third edition of the game with now giving more detailed expansions than just the widow's walk of the second edition. So yeah. I think that that's going to have a much more longer lifespan. Yeah. The werewolf expansion adds some cool stuff to it. So the one last thing that I'll probably want to mention on this is, you know, we've talked about these grand big games, these horror games, the ones that we, we see so much in that we think deserve an award. 
But there's one that's really simple that I've always enjoyed bringing out for people that maybe aren't into games, and that's Bananagrams by Renee Nathanson. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is a simple game. It is in a little zippered uh, banana, and you're basically kind of making your own crossword puzzle. It's simple. It's unique. Everyone can kind of understand what they're doing when they're playing it. Uh, you can be as complex or as simple as you'd like, and you can play multiple different rounds and still have, you know, a conversation with people at the table. I, I think that from the other side of the, the house, Bananagrams is definitely something that's worth an award. No, I agree with you. I mean, it shows up on like every family's like best games list, yep. right? Quirkle's on here. That's on like every family's best game list as well. Somebody just asked me about for Quirkle, actually Quirkle expansion on um, Friday and but man, I just was scrolling through. This list is 33 pages long, and there's some great games on here. Pictures, one game of the year. It was a uh, uh, Daniela Store did that one, and that one was, um, I think, underappreciated. It was kind of like a Pictionary or telestrations, but you had physical objects you had to use to, to, to get people to guess what you were trying to do. Um, one of my favorite games, one of the store's favorite games that we've sold a ton of copies to is Zombie Kids is on here. That's uh -huh. kind of that, that simpler end one. Um, most of the Exit games are in here too because Exit games were another game of the year by um, Inca Brand. Um, the Time Story series is also in there. That kind of falls in yeah, that same Yeah, I mean, vibe. guys, this is, this is worth taking a look at this list and going, oh my gosh, there are, there are you know... So Ryan Dancy said some stuff that was regrettable, and I think that he quickly realized the error of his ways, and I think the rest of AEG did too. Um, but there are some just simply amazing games that are in here um, that are some of our favorite games that are crunchy, but just we never stop and say, who designed that? We talk about... You know, we talk about Richard Garfield. We talk about you bull, uh, not you bull, a very different. Guy. I was about to say, yeah. wait, wait um, we're talking about what's it? How you, what's his last name? You bull is video games, right? You bull is video, video game movies. Video game movies that are terrible, and he he makes them just so that they make profit from the credit that the country. With the Uwe, was, I'm sorry, I'm dropping his name, I, last I, name. I don't know who you're talking about. That's gonna be bad. But yes, no, we I gotta, I gotta hit Google. We talk a lot about designers that we absolutely love, but at the same uh, at the same time, we don't actually sometimes look at the games that we love and just try and look at the designers. So I'm put again. I'll put this list in here, and I'm gonna say, uh, first of all, this game, this list is I now realize ranked by the Rosenberg. Rosenberg, there it God, goes. Uh, there's a bunch. Uh, all of these games are ranked by where they fit in the top list for. Board Game Geek, like how many votes they have, like what ranking they have. Yeah. So that's why Wingspan was at the top. It's number 25 of all yeah. the games. But uh, if you just scroll through the first at least three pages, you will be fascinated if you are a board game aficionado. Like you will see all of these games that you're like, oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to segue us off on this one just as I'm going to change topic. I know you were, we're going to move on to another story real fast. Yeah, but, hit me. Uh, I was explaining to somebody... Uh, we don't. We've talked about it on a podcast, but I don't think of really how many uh, people appreciate how many board games are actually come out of Central Illinois. Yeah, and the fact that um, and I what up, but I, one of the things I wanted to bring up when you talk about Wingspan's number twenty five, 
Ben Rossett lives here in Bloomington Normal with us. He comes in the store all the time. And Ben's game, Search for Planet X, which you have beat me every time we've I played it. I love it. it. I it's just, so I am a clue master, and I it just fits just all my vibes. I can't get there. I, I get second place every time I play it. I can't beat John. <laughs> it's, my, it's my one. You beat me at everything else but that game. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Ben lives here in town, and that he just moved up into the top 100. Yeah, that's it's congratulations. Top 100 board games of all time, as voted on by players on Board Game Geek, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a artificial get us some attention by going and ranking us up uh, as a Kickstarter thing. Because Ben, because Search for Planet X has been out for years now, what four, five, six years, yeah, yeah, and it's just slowly and steadily moved up the rankings as people have discovered this game and how good it is. And I just love the fact that um, Ben lives here in town, right? That's just that's cool. So we should we should acknowledge the fact that we have a guy who lives in Bloomington Normal who has a game in the top one hundred out of like eighty nine thousand games that are in Board Game Geeks database. Ben lives here in Bloomington Normal with us, and that is actually an excellent segue to something that also came out of the Discord. Is many people had come to us and was talking about you know I, I had I had prefaced that hey we are going to talk about this topic but we do want to recognize we are just two white men like we want to have more representation to talk about some issues there and they said you know you used to have people all the time like your gameologist would sit in and have a talk and things like that we absolutely loved doing that but part of the problem of this podcast was finding the space to record from trying to go down in the basement when the store wasn't open but people were still working and then having to pull a gameologist like who should be doing stuff on like during their work day but helping us record uh, was a little counterintuitive. Yeah. And then as more construction came about and more events were going on for us to find the right time to record, it just made sense to move to where we currently are, which is my house. But that's not necessarily conducive for anybody to just stop by and listen. But with the new shop, we are going to have private game rooms that you can rent, but we can use to actually not only produce this podcast, but also do video of this podcast and hopefully make it a lot easier to have guests. So maybe we can have your friend come on and talk about his game and how it feels to get into the top 100 and what the development process was like. And also get other voices, get some more of the gameologists in the podcast again, because we have a centralized location. And that is something that is definitely on the future horizon for us. Yeah, it's where to record has been the ongoing issue because for a while we were renting storage space above what is now Bloomington Spice Works while they were trying to build out their building. So then, um, and that was either frigidly cold because mm-hmm. there was no heat up there or oh my gosh, we're going to melt because it's so hot. So Those that, are very that, short podcast days. Yeah. Like we, we, we got out of there fast. Yeah. And then, so then when, when Spiceworks had to kind of kick us out from using them as storage, then we were trying to record in the basement. Um, but the game store is open seven days a week and people start working at 9 a.m. every day. Even though we don't open the doors until noon most days, people are there at 9 a.m. trying to restock and clean things and order the next things and set up the events and, and all the... There's a lot of work that happens in the background um, that, that most people never see. And we would have people traipsing through the podcast in the middle of the podcast while we're trying to do the podcast. Or if they were trying to be respectful of us, then they weren't getting the, the work done that they were supposed to be doing. Right. 
then we did record some of them in the new building before the construction started there. And uh, if you guys go back and listen, you can hear that in some of the episodes that have some serious echo issues. Yep. Because that room was so massive. It still is. And it we, we are very happy that we are now going to have a much more solid location to yeah. be recording from that. It's going to yeah, be a lot still more going to be a, a while because I'm going to have to buy the those new rooms came out pretty echoey. We we put in acoustic drop ceiling in the whole basement and we put in carpet on the floors, and then we've got tablecloths on there. So we're putting things in there to dampen, um, yeah, to absorb some of the bouncing and the sound. But we're going to have to buy some. I'm going to have to buy some specific acoustic panels to put in there before I think we can, we're going to be able to really do recordings in there as well. Well, so. look forward to that. And again, we're trying to, I know that there was some talk uh, also in the discord about, you know, when to do more video stuff now that Twitter has a platform for it. Can we get onto there all, all in time where we are working that direction? Yeah. Somebody said that they wanted to see us put like clips of the show on Twitter to try to drive more traffic. And I don't know how that works yet. So yeah, we're gonna, I didn't even know that was a thing. It, it, there's a new platform within Twitter where you can basically make your own Twitter TV shows almost. Okay. Uh, and I think that's what they were referencing. Um, okay. Some some very interesting people have already started trying to go with that platform. Uh, I don't know if I want to use their names to be associated with them, but let's just say that we would we we could use that, and it would be another. I'm suddenly resource. doing a concern over here, John. I understand. We, we can talk about it off air. Okay. Um, what we can talk about on air, though, is kind of a follow up to a, a last episode topic. Last episode, we talked about. Metal Gear Solid and okay. a game that was rescued from the dead. Yes. It was a Kickstarter. It successfully got funded and then went dark and then was canceled with yeah. many people. Because I don't upset. think they had the IP license, did they? There was a lot of questions about where that was coming from and how that was supposed to work. But they appeared to have all these models set up and everything. Uh, as we reported last week, that is now being come into production. Um, I'm blanking on. <laughs> I, I believe it was Simon, yes, uh, has gotten those rights, has straightened everything out, and they are actually going to be producing the game now. Uh, with From what we see, with all of the major design elements there. I love the fact that one of the minis is Solid Snake hiding under the box, yes. the cardboard box. I, I feel like that's going to be a like something you swap out. However, what we're going to talk about bringing back today is something we've even talked about longer than that, and that is HeroScape. Oh, I was like, where are you going with this, man? So HeroScape, <laughs> we reported on this when it first came out. Because you were for, super excited last year. I was not super excited. Was, I was very interested because HeroScape was one of those things I never actually got into. But I know that many of my friends that have made it, that are now you know board game enthusiasts, that was one of their first starting points. And with Hasbro trying to do this vault Kickstarter thing... Uh, they were saying, you know, hey, if you guys don't raise the money, it's going in the vault and we're never going to touch it. And just watching kind of that Kickstarter start strong and then fizzle out uh, was was just an interesting news bit. Well, they were it was it was a big ask. It was because it was the HeroScape with all the stuff that they had planned and, and, and multiple years worth of expansions and stuff all at one shot up front. Now we've seen bigger asks from Kickstarters before, but it was it was interesting. Yeah, it started off strong, but it, they also had a requirement for the number of people 
and that's where I think where it fizzled out. Yes, is they made they they were potentially going to raise a significant amount of money on Hasbro Pulse for, for it, but it was the number of, of additional people they needed is where I think it fell off. I believe you're right. Now that I'm remembering this, however, uh, Renegade Games has swooped in and said we want to help out, and so they actually are working. Uh, with Hasbro to produce HeroScape as a normal board game, not as a Kickstarter, not as like an all-in package, but actually as something that will have, you know, new content, there'll be faction boxes, train packs, all of that, multiple price points. So you're going to be able to kind of pick and choose what you want. You can start small and work your way out. But Renegade has even taken it to the next level of saying, hey, we want to have a world championship. We want to make this into almost what we see in the card game community of people bringing in their teams and challenges much like X-Wing possibly is another great example. We want this to not just be a game that people remember. We want to make this a living community that we can continue to invest in. Well, and they've done so far they've done a really good job of that with some other properties from Hasbro too. This Renegade Hasbro uh, relationship has been interesting to watch, right? Because mm-hmm. as we talked about before, you're a massive fan of the Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid. Yes. And um, that that's not a dead game being resurrected, but again, that's that's Renegade proving to Hasbro that we can take your intellectual property and make a very compelling game out of it, and create content as it goes along that make people keep want to continue playing the game. And I would say that while Power Rangers was not a dead IP, it had really stagnated. I think in the people that would play board games, you know, Power Rangers was very much a kids based thing and. That game is actually a little, I think, complex for the age group that probably watches Power Rangers now. But with the comic books doing so well and people been reading, collecting those and just the nostalgia, I, you know, Red Raccoon knows that if there's a new Renegade Power Ranger pack to let me know. I'm very shocked that you have not talked about the G.I. Joe Renegade game that's in the same style. And I have not seen that at your house, actually, now that I think about it. I haven't had a chance, man. I mean, I'm so far behind this this move has like consumed so much of my life the last six months that I haven't even I don't I haven't even played that game at all. I haven't even opened the box or really looked at it very much. Well, we'll definitely need to make that a uh, priority. I will say that on the Discord, people were talking about. Uh, I think it was Maximum Views was saying I would love to see like actual like people playing the games and maybe doing some live plays of board games. And so maybe you and G.I. Joe need to get on camera together. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I think Renegade has done a successful job of understanding not only how to make a great game and produce it, but also how to keep content fresh. Because just it's like a Weird Al album. Just when I forget about Power Rangers uh, being a board game, is when all of a sudden I get a call from Red Raccoon saying, hey, they just announced it. Are we ordering it for you? Um, So I think that that pacing is going to work really well for something like this, and I think Hasbro made a very smart move. And apparently it's not the first time they've done this. Uh, Renegade has also been helping with access and allies and diplomacy from Hasbro as well. Yeah, they announced that partnership last year. Uh, We were talking about it the other day because somebody, you know... um, Axis and Allies came up because somehow it got on the topic of which one was older, the the Dune board game or Axis and Allies. Oh. And it's the Dune board game. Interesting. Which, yeah, is actually two years older than Axis and Allies, but the Dune board game also went out of print and was not available for like 20 years in the middle, whereas Axis and Allies 
has been pretty much consistently available since the 80s. Um, so the, seeing them give it to Renegade and allow Renegade to try to make a refreshed, you know, kind of fourth edition of Access and Allies is going to be interesting. And then, you know, a lot of people talk about diplomacy as the game that's guaranteed to destroy friendships, um, even more so than Monopoly. It'll be interesting to see what a second edition of Diplomacy does because the yeah. first edition still tr- trickles out when people start reading some of the um, crazy stories and history of things that have happened around the Diplomacy game. I think it was it was it was either Wired magazine or Forbes actually hired a United States a former United States ambassador and took him to a tournament to see how well he would do playing di- diplomacy. Interesting. Yeah, and it was there's a whole story about the whole thing about this guy's experience and what he did and everything. He did pretty well. Um, yeah, cuz it's all about reading people and building alliances and then if you you're going to have to betray somebody, when do you do it and how do you protect yourself from being the betrayed versus being the betrayer and um, so there's a really interesting news article out about uh, out there about that. And so uh, as people read that article, sales of diplomacy picked up again. And, you know, it's it it's not a game that's going to set the world on fire, but it still continually trickles out as people find these stories or as they discover somebody who loves this game and, um, and they start playing it. Yeah, it's going to be definitely a, a new way to look at things. So that's... I've got to ask a question now okay. that I've okay. asked multiple times, but I'm not even sure how it looks at the new store. Jamie, a lot of these games that we've talked about aren't available right now. If I want to come in the store and see what's new, where do I look? There's still a new hotness. There's still a new hotness. Still a new okay. Hotness. It's we're We're changing the display. It's been in that same cabinet right inside the front door when you you stepped in the door then you turned and it was almost it was behind you after you came in the door immediately to your right that cabinet is currently full of star wars and marvel helmets right now and, and power not, rangers and power rangers respect it, it is not going that it, the, so the cabinet is a temporary thing while we wait for some fixtures to show up um, but the new hotness is actually going to be on a, a couple of tiered racks right inside the front door as you step in there. So the first thing you will see is an orange and black rack of the new hotness games. And um, now, what's on that rack? I don't know that there's anything new on that rack because we didn't order anything knowing we were going to move the store. So now, this week, um, Alexis is, is uh, turning opening the floodgates and there are games that have been available in other places that are going to start showing up all of a sudden so we're we're two weeks behind at this point and we're suddenly the new games are going to start flooding back in again but we just couldn't have new games come in and just sit around and we just we didn't have the ability to move the store and receive all the new games and stuff so so this next week there's going to be a lot of new stuff showing up this week. There was, I think, I don't know that there's anything on those racks that we hadn't already talked about. We got some restocks in, maybe a new BattleTech book. I think I saw a new BattleTech book when I walked in today. Now that yeah, you've told me where to look for it. Um, the man, you you want to know a game that I underordered on? I should have ordered more on. Tell us the Deluxe Castle Panic Collection, the big oh, massive really? 350 pound box. For those three, of you that that know the store, pounds, 350 dollars. I was about to say. 
I was like, wait, what? Uh, it is it is a massive box. I was working the the floor one time and actually got to sell somebody on it, which was an incredible experience. Yeah. Uh, because it is a fantastic game, and with the 3D miniatures, it looks so cool. So yeah. cool. Yeah, and, and it's... Um, we have one left. I wish... Now I wish I'd ordered, open, uh, ordered more because I was like, 350 bucks, man. I don't know. Uh, for Castle Panic? and But it's like one of those things where you see a Kickstarter and you're like, okay, it kind of looks cool, but how many are really going to sell at $350? And the fact that the first three, I only got four because I didn't know what to do. So, you know, right. Everything about retail and order is, I guess this will sell. I guess we'll sell this many. But, um, you know, the, the regular Castle Panic Deluxe, we got more of that because we have a sales history on Castle Panic. But a $350 super deluxe collection of all this limited stuff and this 3D train and everything, we don't have any sales history on that at all. Right. I got one left. I wish I'd ordered more of that one because I it's I was hoping to have at least a couple months supply. One, one month. One month. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, that's and that so that last one is sitting in the new hotness for right now too, um, and who knows? Well, after listening to this, it might not be there anymore for our podcast listeners too. Um, but really, there there hasn't been a lot of new stuff that we've gotten in the store because it was all about moving. Right. Um, so I guess then if they want to at least come out and check out the brand new store, yeah. uh, what would be some of the events they could come to this week? Pokemon. Pokemon. Of course, Pokemon. No, I'm just Every kidding. week. I just Every... had to say it. I Don't say lie. It. Don't you lie. Because at the end of this, you'll be like, oh, yeah, then there's this like mercurial combat set that's coming out from Pokemon or some other well, made no, up word. This, so we're recording this on Sunday the 11th? Yes. Uh this next week is Magic the Gathering Lord of the Rings set. Oh, that's this week. That's, that's right. This Friday, Saturday. The hunt for the one ring begins. Yes. And the current, Dave and, uh, Dave and Adams put out a bounty on it that said that they will pay $1 million for it. If you bring them the card by July 17th, I think it was. They had a date on it. but they So the bounty has been, you know, there was a bunch of people saying, I'll do 100000 Some stores saying, I'll do 100000 and there was one guy who said, I will do 80000 plus a plane ticket to either Hawaii or Iceland for you to throw the one ring card into a volcano and so that it's gone. Because there's a lot of people who are really actually very mad about the fact that there's one card of this, the one of one for the, the special collector's version of the one ring. And so uh, it got up to $1 million by Dave and Adam's card world. And then... Post Malone has also been out there saying, <laughs> "Of course he has." Well, he's got he's got money to yeah. do whatever he wants, and he's been out there saying nobody is going to beat me for that card. So we're out of collectors' boxes. We're not going to have. We're actually we 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 put in an order. We asked for you know we gave them a number said we want this many boxes, and we only got forty percent of what we asked for. Every store got cut in terms of how much they asked for versus what they actually received on the collector's boxes. So um, it's going to be nutty uh, until somebody finds that one ring. Because if it's not in the first wave of collector's boxes, if nobody opens it up, then the next thing coming out is in July, there are um, bundle gift sets, bundle gift edition sets that come with the standard packs that you would get in a bundle plus one collector's, collector's edition pack. 
So it could be in there. It's they they and Hasbro has continued to say they don't know where it is. So. Not and not to put him on blast, but there is a chance that our very own Ken from the store, uh, he's he's got a few requested in there as well. Correct. He does. Yeah, I does. I, I don't want to say how much or anything along those he lines, does. but he he could be. I wonder what he would do with the One Ring, being as Ken as he is. I don't know. I don't know. Well, and and we've got we've got um, yeah I don't know. I everybody's asking like, are you going to put on a bounty on it for the store? And I'm like, well, I certainly can't top a million dollars. Right. I mean, well, you just made a new building. What do you? Yeah. <laughs> I think you know uh, if if you open the one ring card and you buy it here in, in Bloomington, my suggestion is to contact Post Malone. That's that's yeah. my suggestion, right? I am never going to be able to outdo either David Adams or Post Malone. So. You know, if you want, if you get it and you want to, you know, um, and if you want to, you know, and, and come back to the store and say, hey, Jamie, here's, you know, uh, I want to make this gift to the store because I opened it at the <laughs> store. Hey, we're, we're available, right? We're, we're ready for this, right? As before you do your retirement victory lap. Tell you what, if, if you want, we will get you on the podcast. That, yeah. that will be yeah, yeah, the yeah. offer that we can make. Yeah. Um, no, so, and, uh, you know, I would also tell everybody too, if you bought a collector's box, you should set up your phone on a tripod and record the opening of every pack or nobody is going to believe you that you opened it up. Yep. You should, you should set your phone up and put it on a tripod and record. And you might even consider making sure you both that not don't consider set up a very clean environment and have sleeves and stuff ready gloves yeah because if you you don't want anything to do with that one ring when you slide into post malone's dms you want it to be pristine (laughs) slide into post malone's dms that's awesome um so that's yeah that's this upcoming weekend and then followed right behind it the next weekend out is the weekend of the 24th uh and the 24th is free rpg day all right and the release of Warhammer 10th Edition, Leviathan. Oh, yes. So the, I saw Le- the box uh, at the store today. Yeah. We, we got our demo box at the store, and then um, we're getting 30 copies. And when I left the store yesterday, 22 of them had already been pre-ordered. So it's, it's sold out on the GW web store. Um, game stores are – we order from uh, – we order from a, a special division at, in Games Workshop called, uh, they just call it Trade. And so we've got a, a account rep that we talked to. And he called me in the middle of Monday, in the middle of the craziness that was happening on Monday. He's like, I got to talk to you right now. And I'm like, man, it's 5.30 on Monday. I've been moving furniture for four hours. He's like, this is your one opportunity to order this Leviathan. I need numbers now. I'm like, oh, thanks for putting me on the spot, right? You guys only announced it on Sunday of what it was going to actually cost. We had rumors of what we thought it was going to cost, but they only confirmed it on Sunday. And so Monday, I had to place the orders. And so I took a stab in the dart based on how many uh, Indominus boxes that we sold for 9th edition. And I said, oh, we'll do 30. And so and this, this set's going hot. So if you didn't get one yet and you're listening to this podcast still on Sunday or Monday... You should be calling the store because there was only eight available left, and we're not going to be able to get any more after this. Run. Do not walk. Yeah. I probably should have ordered like 50, but I, d- I didn't know, right? I still have 34 boxes of Age of Sigmar Dominion that are in the basement as giant paperweights right now. So um, 
was maybe a little more worried about what Games Workshop was going to do this time out of the gate because they burned us pretty hard last time. So a lot of game stores were pretty, are still pretty upset at how the fiasco that was Age of Sigmar Dominion went down. And so nobody really trusted GW this time out of the gate. So that's going to affect things everywhere as well. But I tried to, anyway, I was saying, I tried to go to the web store for GW to order some more after seeing all these orders come pouring in all week because uh, pre-orders for their web store opened up yesterday at uh, uh, noon central time. You couldn't even, their, their website was just toast. It was just, there was a million people all trying to click at the same time. And I got this holding screen that said, your place in line is estimated to be uh, two hours and 32 minutes or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I got too much to do. I'm not sitting here all day. Because I was going to try to go in and pick up some more copies. Are you sure you just didn't accidentally try and get Taylor Swift concert tickets? Because that's It felt like that. Yeah. It felt like that. Kelly And Kelly wanted me to get Taylor Swift concert tickets too. And I'm just like, <laughs> uh, no. You need to hire somebody at this point to get you tickets. Uh, from yeah, what I understand. Uh, no. Yeah, because she put out a new documentary on Netflix. Yes, I heard about that. Pretty good. Okay, it was pretty good. We're, we're, all the do- Netflix documentaries. This is now half the podcast is just. Yeah. Here's what to well, watch. Well, that, that's all Kelly watches anymore. So invariably, if I walk into a room, then there's a documentary on, and then I stop and sit down and watch part of the documentary too. Okay. We, so that's how we started, right? Talking about the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary, which is I watched parts one and two. It's very good. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say. Uh, at the end of the episodes from now on, let's let's have a media corner because there was actually a, a request of like let's talk about video games and stuff like that a little bit. So we're gonna we're gonna edge into that. I'm gonna go through the rigmarole of the outro at the very end before we sign off. Let's both everyone who is part of the podcast will have to say one piece of media, whether it's a movie, a video game, or something that you should go and be playing. Wait, before right we now. do the outro, we can. I, I agree with this thing. We can okay. do this. This everything. But we didn't talk about games that we've played recently. We didn't. And I skipped that because I was like, why am I going to just ask Jamie what games he's played recently? Because he's played nothing. I don't even know. Oh, I played Onitama. Oh, you did play Onitama And with I me. played Magical Kittens. We Wizard, did. Wizard Kittens. We did play Wizard Kittens and Onitama together. Uh, we, we got together on a Monday and we just kind of chilled out. Had a very it nice was Memorial day. day. It was, it yeah. It was the night of Memorial Day because uh, I needed a break. Yes. And uh, what else did we play? We, uh... We played something else. Shovel Knight. Oh, that's right. The board game Shovel Knight. The board game Shovel Knight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and John, how did you Just do that shut, day? Shut up. <laughs> Don't make me get Planet X out. I'll get it out every single time. The, I'm uh, actually... It was, I gotta, it, was I, a, it was a day of John teaching me games that I had never played and me just ripping him on every me. one of them. Every single <laughs> one of them. Uh, I will say one of the reasons why I have not really pushed to get more guest like board game developers from the area is because I want to get uh, your friend who made Planet X on the po- on the podcast, but I want it to be like the best possible situation. I want to impress him because I love his game so much. Like I want him to feel very comfortable coming. <laughs> uh, but with that, our episode comes to a close. Uh, I would like to thank uh, you for listening. Of course, uh, we. It's been so rewarding to be on Discord and seeing a few of you that have actually listened to the podcast and talk about it and uh, interact with us a little bit. That's been amazing. Uh, I also want to thank Jamie, who has this is technically your first day off after a hellish week. Yeah. And you still took time to uh, sit and talk with us today. And I really appreciate that. We're actually not going to do a Patreon episode today because you have things to do, people to see, ways to relax. Uh, But we will be resuming those uh, on our next podcast. 
um again come and see the new store that's the that's the thing for today uh if you want to talk about your tabletop experience come see the magnificence that is red raccoon games uh how long until we get the sign moved over i'm gonna try to do it tomorrow okay i'm gonna try to do it tomorrow at least hang it up temporarily Spencer had a really cool idea for what to do with it long term because it's not not the right kind of sign for the new building. It's a you know it's designed to, to hang out away from the building on an arm. Right. We don't have anywhere to put the arm no. because of the overhand the awning. So uh, we have a really cool idea of what to do with it. I'm not going to tell you until we actually do it and see if it's physically going to work. Okay. Interesting. Um, it's gonna it's gonna involve. Uh, yeah, I'm not even gonna say. Don't even say. I'm not even gonna say. Under an NDA, like all these other podcasts we've been doing lately, all the cool stuff you can't talk about. Oh. Okay, never mind. I, I, when Are the we, media thing. Oh, throw it in. Throw it in. We're not doing a Patreon episode. This will be bonus content. So, um, yeah. you may remember a few episodes back, I, I came back and said that there was a a thing that Zack Snyder was doing that I wasn't allowed to talk about at all. I would say maybe go Google for recent Zack Snyder announcements. Yeah. And then, yeah. Like what, what type of things are coming out from Zack Snyder? and uh, new... Netflix series of movies? Yeah, some screenshots of some really cool stuff. And think about, hmm, how could that relate to, to Jamie and what he talks about? Yeah. Good question. They're supposed to send me an email to say when I can talk about everything, but I'm just going to say that Zack Snyder has made a bunch of public announcements, and you should actually go look at them. You really should. You really should. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank Jillian Mesner for the use of our theme music, and feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice, coming straight to the source by emailing info at redraccoongames.com, put podcast in the subject line, or now come to our Discord. Uh, We have a podcast discussion channel. Uh, I think in the general section, and we would love to hear from you, how things are going, what you think of the podcast, what you want to hear about. And if you guys throw news articles or you throw in topics you want us to discuss, I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be listening. Now I have every device in my life is now set up to that channel to notify me as soon as something (laughs) happens. Uh, And I will be glad to talk with you. Jamie pops in there from time to time. And uh, we would love to, to really make content that is focused on our listeners. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. All right, Jamie, what should people be watching, playing, reading, doing uh, for the next until our next podcast? Oh, man, watching, playing, thinking, doing. Okay, uh, watching. I watched the new Shazam movie, okay. and I enjoyed it. Right? Oh. I, I, it, it got panned pretty hard. It's, um, it, it's definitely DC trying to figure out the way of the comedy side of things. And I don't know how it plays in with the whole new DC universe and all the stuff that James Gunn's doing. I'm not doing there. But I enjoyed it. It was it was just a fun romp. I was not expecting Shawshank Redemption. I did not get Shawshank Redemption. Fair. Um, I was expecting a goofy Shazam movie, and I enjoyed it for being a goofy Shazam movie. Fantastic. Uh, I'm going to suggest, uh, if you have not gotten a chance to play it, Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is on the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. It's been out for quite some time. But I, it kind of segues into a few other things with the fact that just this week uh, we got some more information, some more trailer footage of Spider-Man 2 at the Summer Games Expo, mm-hmm. as well as... The uh, Spider- second Spider-Verse movie dropped second. and every, it's getting amazing reviews. I need, to, I need people that have watched this movie to talk to me about it because once you've watched it, you, don't, you can't tell anybody how good it is because it might ruin how yeah, good it is. Right I can't. I'm not... Saying a word, but it is that good. Like I, it 
I met uh, last night. I had stopped by a friend's house. I'd met this completely random stranger. He's like, oh, I'm going to go see that Spider-Man movie tomorrow. I gave him my phone number just saying, text me whenever you've watched it because I need somebody else to discuss with it. It's <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Uh, for reading, I am finally catching up, and I just finished book two of the Thrawn series for Star Wars. Ooh. Thrawn Alliances. It's Thrawn Invader. And it was pretty good. I'm, I'm enjoying it. So there's still book three. I mean, of, of the Thrawn books, it's technically book five um, because Timothy Zahn wrote the Thrawn trilogy and then he went back and wrote the Thrawn prequel trilogy. I read those the prequels first in the order. This is book five. Um, and uh, it's it, it was really good. I'm enjoying that. I, I love how we are now seeing the cherry picking of the non-canon Star Wars universe being pulled into the canon Star Wars universe because now Thrawn is has been a villain in Star Wars Rebels, the animated show. He is definitely going to be connected to the Ahsoka series that mm -hmm. is coming out here soon. Um, and they even got the man who voiced Thrawn in the cartoon is now going to be playing him in the TV show as well. It's the, what's his name, Lars something. Isn't yes. he the guy who was the villain in the Casino Royale? Correct. With the bleeding eyes? Yes. Um, Lars Mikkelsen? Is that right? I think so. Okay. I don't. I'm not gonna look it up right now. But yeah. you can all uh, come at us in the comments and tell us how wrong we are or right about that we are. But until next time, keep playing. Keep playing.